Right. <laughs> 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 Alright, let's start this. Once Mike gets into frame, because it doesn't look weird. What are you doing? What are you eating? What are you eating, Mike? Huh? Chili. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> just well, eat on the podcast. Like you know what? I'm finishing my. I'm just. I had to like rush my. You know lunch what? I'm not gonna lie. I'm eating my sandwich here. Okay. <laughs> in the background. <laughs> I have. I ate before this. I ate in New I York. I usually do. Table. I got one more bite. Shut up, Raven. And your responsibility. I know. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear. It was like. I don't want to hear, Raven. I don't want to hear. We eat on this podcast. Okay? Right? We eat on the podcast. Raven eats before podcast. I mm. too. Mm. I am mighty. <laughs> this is now turned into an ASMR. Right. <laughs> right Reviewing and chewing. <laughs> Ew, that's just disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> I've never liked those. That sound is never good. My, <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say never good. <laughs> <laughs> And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Nerdy Bunch of Lovecraft episode. <laughs> my name is English Dave. Here with my co-hosts, Mercedes, Rocket Mike, and Raven, who's changing the channel for those of you who are watching, not listening. Um, <laughs> we're here to talk about Lovecraft Trigger Country. warning. <laughs> right? Oh my god, I hate that music. This part is so up. Uh, I'm uh, skipping it. <laughs> for those listening, Raven's talking about the sequence where uh, uh, Lancaster is uh, puts the spit on D. Ugh. I really so couldn't watch that scene. Like I was so uncomfortable. <laughs> I put a spit on you. <laughs> wow. <You're mine. laughs> All right, let's. What is wrong with you? Like <laughs> we're here to talk Lovecraft Country episode eight, Jigabobo. Uh, there's a significance to that name. Um, Mercedes will tell us about it later in in the references section. Section. Uh, the synopsis is as follows. Diana finds herself in Captain Lancaster's crosshairs when a visitor from his past arrives. Atticus and Letty take steps to protect their future. Dun, dun, dun. Um, overall thoughts, I'll start with you, Mercedes, on this episode. We're almost at the end. Man, I thought Meet Me and Daegu was going to be my, like, jaw dropper of the season. And it's just, I feel like every time I say it, it's, like, usually in the first 15 minutes. And I'm like, they do it again. Like, how is this <laughs> happening? Why? Um, and it was like 10, this one was definitely 10 out of like, what, 10 out of 20, it's the 20. And if it was the 10 was the best, it's a 20. Um, <laughs> it was, it was horrifying. It was horrifying in a sense of like what humans can do to each other. It was terrifying in a story sense. And then it was kind of like just real and beautiful and just like a great, well acted episode where you just felt everything from every single character. Mm -hmm. um, I was like sucked in for the full like hour. Like I felt like I was like, you know, zoo sucked in. And then I was like, whoa, Lovecraft is done. So I loved it this week. No, I agree. I think even though this show is clearly leaned on horror, I feel like this episode was the real horror episode in terms of like even the horror reference. It felt like a horror movie, you know, mm -hmm. not horror. This not episode just horror. was terrifying. Like, <laughs> sure. So to me, it was just more full on horror than any other episode. Right. right. Yeah. And, and levels of terror too. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like I was like backing up on my couch. I was like, no more dancing. Stop the songs. This is too much. No. Uh, well, so Raven, what, what else did you think about the episode outside of being um, too much fee? Well, one thing that I took away from it, um, and I realized after the fact, was that uh, Misha Green actually directed this episode. The first one. And um, yeah, which I was mm -hmm. like, wow. Because out of any episode, I think this one was this one was very well directed, I think, in terms of just horror, like you were saying. Um, 
even just the camera angles, you know, the the choreography, the way that uh, each scene was kind of composed. I, I loved it, I think, visually. And I also think that the mirrors um, to now, uh, you know, everything that was reflective of what's happening now was, was very, very real for me. You know, mm -hmm. the moments of I can't breathe or, you know, it was just, oh, there was definitely, I think this episode, and I think I've said trigger warning before, but this episode was like mm -hmm. definitely, uh, and the uh, spit, oh, God, it was a lot. But I think then, that overall, yeah. yeah, I think overall it was a, it was a really, it was also a really good way to deal with uh, the Bobo story because I think we had said it in you know one of the episodes, the episode we saw with him in the Ouija board. Uh, we had wondered how this show was going to play out the death. Like, would it be off screen? Is it just going to be something that they mention and don't deal with? So I think that in terms of how to deal with something that most people already know about in a way that's still new, I, I think was really, really impressive. Uh, Mike, what, what were your thoughts on this episode? It's, it's becoming, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, it's becoming a competition over what's become my favorite now. Like we can just say this there is has no become favorite. one of my, yeah, no, <laughs> it's just counted as one of my favorite shows now of Damn, all time, at easily. least it, easily the best show of 2020. Uh, this one, we get a little bit more history as they've been really great about HBO in general. Uh, if you don't know the story of Emmett Till, uh, national tragedy. So we get a little bit more insight on this, um, especially through uh, Christina, and we'll get to that. Um, but also, what hasn't been said already, this has been one of the most terrifying episodes in actual history and in fictional uh, mm -hmm. with the with the twins my god i didn't know if i was gonna sleep oh. that night uh <laughs> yeah, i thought no. it, it had a very much it i was vibes. so tired of those little girls so tired yeah. of them i was like can they all right can we stop every time they pop up <laughs> i was like I throwing shit i was like we get it they're scary we don't need to keep showing their faces i, think I tossed my phone at one point <laughs> <laughs> they like, were heaven. um they're it's like i what i didn't know is that those those were adult women that are professional dancers mm -hmm. Uh, you could have had me full. They was, looked like terrifying You tell me with dancers with the back bends and stuff. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, mm -hmm. oh and they, they had, dance real good. And they're and very toned. Grown people don't usually have that back, though, so I thought uh. it was kids because we can't be doing all that bendy stuff, man. I don't know. Um, <laughs> let's go into the actual episode itself. Raven, I want to start with you. It opens up with uh, Emmett Till's funeral and the song, I think, was perfectly put, Cruel Summer. What do you think of that whole scene? Um, I think that scene was just... It was tough because I think that, not saying it's easy, but I think that, you know, we've heard the Emmett Till story enough times to where you almost don't feel like there's new information that you could get or that you could feel uh, more disgusted in the events that happen. Um, something as small as adding the detail of D saying, you know, what's that smell, I think for me was really, and that was you know, it was almost like I felt like, that yeah. That's I, so disturbing. I heard they put, they, because of that, that's why they put hit, they put him in a glass uh, casket. Because mm, of his, and it was yeah. one of the hottest sum of the year at the time. You know, I, lo oh, I love yeah. seeing that whole crowd yeah. of people. Again, if you look mm -hmm. at pictures, there's, there, that was how many people came. You know, and it was tough. Yeah, and I was going to say, too, I appreciated the fact, or like you really understood how serious this all was. You see mm -hmm. people from so many different religious backgrounds. You know, everyone was just in agreement that this is 
disgusting, mm-hmm. you know, but it's almost, it's, it's so reflective of what's going on now with George Floyd, you know? So I think that like, granted, you know, it's not as big of a scale, but you didn't have social media back then. Yeah. So most of that was just the news and word of mouth, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that watching that moment for me was really tough. It definitely sank in a lot more. Mm-hmm. I think because you also have the perspective of someone that knew him personally, mm-hmm. you know, D having to deal with so much death. And I also think, um, the acting too i think it was nice to finally see d be able to have her own episode mm-hmm. um and i think that she i think uh what's the actress's name jada harris jada harris so you know i felt like she did a good job where you understood you know that she was mourning that she's dealt with a lot of loss recently i felt like some of the things that she was doing although i didn't agree with i understood where she was coming from so i think that um mm-hmm. that whole opening scene we yeah. really this is the mood and also the song because yes. Cool Summer, I think that I, I kind of secretly love that song. It's so when song. I heard it, I was like, huh, huh. <laughs> like, Wait, you know, man. and I felt bad because <laughs> it's like y'all are at a funeral. Um, but I think that it was it was great song choice because something mm-hmm. about that song mm-hmm. made me feel the heat of the summer that much more and the gravity mm-hmm. of it so much more. And us knowing that Letty's hiding a pregnancy. Mm-hmm. you know but it's also super hot and mm-hmm. we don't know tick knows and tick is keeping secrets so i think it was mm-hmm. like the whole opening scene was just tense and hot and sweaty i mm-hmm. felt the way that the mood of the opening mm-hmm. was and we get right. we, we get information here that tick didn't didn't tell anyone that he'd gone through the portal too he made everyone seem as if it was just aunt hippolyta had gone mm-hmm. through and also like you know this is the beginning of a thread that goes throughout the whole episode is one it starts off with everyone kind of figuring out what do we do with d you know do, should, should, should she be here you know like how do we teach or or guide children through death and i love what mantras is like no she should be here this is real you know like this isn't gonna go away we can't hide this from her um but then she ends up going, going missing and which leads to her encounter with the police you know after seeing the the girls with ice cream and fun fact i did not know this according to jim crow laws at the time black people couldn't eat vanilla ice cream yeah, so I found that out like, too through what? this episode. I didn't know that. And what? I was blown away. Because then you realize the girls are eating vanilla ice cream. That's why they're skipping and happy. Like they're like, because off the beginning, to I was like, mm-hmm. oh. I was right, like, why right. is she mad? So, you know? so when Lancaster, Sadie's on Talk to You about yeah. this, you know, her encounter with Lancaster, yeah. Like it could have gone anyway, but this, I, I just felt like, you know, it, it, it made me feel- it could have gone any way but like there was no other way for it to go like i knew i feel like the minute i saw the car pull up and the tone of the way the episode went and the tensions of how everything everyone's so angry from mm-hmm. all sides you know that whole encounter was only going to be a negative one and this i think the way when they had to do the spit scene oh. and the reason why they made it so like you know, it was just extra. Like it was like Nickelodeon slime. It was like and rape so without sad. rape. Like, there was yeah. something in that. It was yeah. Like, they did that on, and it was done on purpose. Just you know, yeah. the severity. Like you know, the viewer could see. Like it's just, it's not just spitting on someone. It's the act of like complete and pure like hatred. Like it's, I it's a violation. Don't even think of right. you, mm-hmm. I don't even think of you. Literally, as human. it's a power trip over somebody. You see, right. as rape. It's the same feelings behind it. You know, and it's I just disgusting. totally. I felt for like D because from my perspective with the Emmett Till story, like I went to a predominantly like white school. So we learned about it, but the brutality and just the details were not like given to me as we were in this episode. So when I watched it and I found out like what exactly happened to him, I had to like pause it for a second. Cause I was like, yep. that's a lot. Like that's a lot to like, 
and, I, and like you understand why curriculum would leave out that detail, but you can't. My school showed us the photos. Yeah, what? Well, while his body. Yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah, I didn't get that. Yeah. Which is what so his mom me, wanted, right? His mom wanted that on purpose. Mm-hmm. She wanted yeah, people to see. It was in our books. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. So when you find out that episode, and then like when she's screaming at the little girls at the ice cream, at first you're like, you don't get it, but it's like such a double-edged sword because these girls are skipping because it's like, you know, this is such a heavy day. They, the, a little boy has died, but they finally get to have this vanilla ice cream. But Dee's coming at it because she actually knew this little boy. Mm-hmm. And she has no way to like internalize those feelings of like the rage that she feels like somebody just did this to a child. And I guess um, seeing other people happy when she's not, she's like, fuck you. How, how can yeah, you exactly. get to be happy? How can you get to have exactly. vanilla ice cream? You know? Yeah. And um, then, yeah, this, the, the whole scene is just crazy. <laughs> and then the curse, when he puts the curse on her, you think it's going to be something like, small and then mm-hmm. when it leads into the later episode you're like oh that's mean did you, did you notice the cream of wheat guy's eyes moved oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah i did I notice like, that what? i wonder what that's about <laughs> I was like, like, what? maybe i don't know i'm trying to figure out if it's something that's l- later on or if it's part of the same curse like that was the beginning of the curse i don't know um mike i want to talk to you about montrose and d you know they this is one of their first interactions of multiple interactions in this episode largely d goes unnoticed in this episode but i think montrose is the only one that kind of tries and i think that p- ties into him trying to be better because of how his past would tick. What did you think of that moment at the house, you know, when she bursts into the house with Montrose? Yeah, you've been seeing uh, a huge shift in uh, Montrose lately, you know? He's really taken ownership of who he really is now, and I feel like he's really trying to make up for lost time. He feels maybe that he's kind of maybe too late with mm-hmm. with Tick right now. Um, obviously, Tick has been pretty hard on in the last episode and uh, a lot most of this episode too so I, I can see why now he's trying to cater to his niece and she needs someone there for her right now she, both of her parents are gone mom's lost in the cosmos father's passed away and she just lost her best friend which is national news you know if anyone needs attention it's her at this moment and you know uh, it's, it's impossible to put yourself in her shoes, but you can feel for Matros at that point, you know, just he's trying, you see him like suppressing his anger because mm-hmm. you, you see him getting shut out again, probably the same way as Atticus did when he was a kid, maybe. Um, and you see him get angry at first and then he quickly erases that he quickly goes back mm-hmm. to dad mm-hmm. mode, which is, it's a great arc that he's showing in this series. Um, he's starting to become a favorite of mine now because I love the growth and mm-hmm. how he's been learning so much about himself. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that that it's it was touching. But then, yeah, uh, it takes uh, it was a weird juxtaposition with him giving this heartfelt story about him losing his own friend mm-hmm. while she is now experiencing something terrifying happening in that bathroom <laughs> right. with uh, with the that book. novel. Yeah, Uncle Tom's Cabin. Yeah, uh, which I didn't know anything about either. This the history of that book as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as well, I think this that episode is important for that because I like like from my schooling, we just read excerpts from the book, and so they just show you you know the the horrors of the book and that, but you don't really get the severity of like how when white people read this book at that time, that is how they looked at black people like that is how like they viewed us which is what the episode was trying to show like that's what my mom explained to me she's like that's that's why she loved it because they actually showed the horror of the book like mm-hmm. that uncle tom's cabin mm-hmm. was like a terrible book what, what i love but it's about crazy though because the 
Oh, sorry. The uh-huh. true history of the book is that the book was written to be about anti-slavery. It was supposed to promote the abolishment of slavery. Yep. And white people saw it and it was so real to where it became a joke. Like it almost hit too close to where they were like, oh, oh, you're, oh, okay, you're making fun of them. We get it. Ha ha ha. Yay. And like completely missed the whole point of it. Crazy enough, the book apparently was one of the sparks of the actual, uh, I think, civil rights movement. The Civil War. Civil War. Yep. Civil yeah. War. Civil yeah. War. It uh, sparked the Civil War. But then it's like crazy because it also was the cause of a lot of terrible black imagery like, mm. you know, Sambo, Mammy Dolls, um, yep. you know, Blackface. A lot of that stuff came from there, which is the adverse effect of it. But mm. um, I think it was crazy interesting. Like the, I remembered reading the book. I think we read like a kid's version of it, though. But then, like, as a Black person, one of the worst things you can be called is an Uncle Tom mm-hmm. amongst race, which is like a sellout to your people, mm-hmm. which is crazy because I think even that came from this book. And I never read the book, but I knew growing up if somebody called me an Uncle Tom, it's time to fight. You know? Well, I think, I think from what I haven't read the right. book, from, but from what I researched, <laughs> the reason why the character of Tom, I think he gets, something happens to him because of white people and he forgives them. And I think people were mad at that in the book that he forgave them for it. Um, I mean, one of the best moments sense, I like, yeah. one of the best moments I like about that, Mike, you talked, touched on it. When Montrose, his anger, you know, and he brings it down. But when he talks to her, he doesn't, he's the only one that doesn't talk down to her. You know, he tells her like that story. I had some, I lost someone when I was a kid. You know, it's a sad thing that happens. But he tells her, you know, you know, white people are going to come at you like this, but don't let it be easy. Fight back. Yeah. You know, and that's why I, I kind of love about Montrose is that, you know, it's something that we all talk about now. And I'm at the point where I'm discussing children with my wife. And it's like, okay, how are we going to raise these kids? Are you going to lie to them? Are you going to dumb things down for them? And sometimes that's detrimental to children to dumb mm-hmm. them down. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to tell them the truth about things so that they, they know the truth, both good and bad. You know, sometimes people think the truth is only telling them about the bad. But I think the truth is saying the bad thing can happen, but you can also have hope and good things can happen too. Um, Raven, I want to go to you. Ruby, William, and Christina, we get a sequence um, with a sexy time and uh the transformative sex but i like the beginning of it you know when the guy comes up to the door and uh, when no when ruby goes up to the gate and the guy's like who are you who are you you know that whole sequence with ruby uh, leaving yeah, leaving leaving the funeral to go to william how did that well you know i feel like to be honest like the biggest way that i could describe that is you know there are people out in the streets to this day with weapons arming themselves and shooting at peaceful protesters who are mourning. That's my best way to like describe how I feel about that. It's the same thing. You know, it's like people are going through stuff. They have every right to be upset, you know, to, to want to rebel and are choosing not to, are just kind of trying to be in their own zone, deal with what's happened, you know, whether it be D, whether it be Ruby and, you know, back to back, we got both of them harassed by cops you know, in a moment of full vulnerability, you know, after a day that you know, you know, most black people know, you know, we're at this funeral, know what's going on, we're connected in some way, you're still harassing black people, you still care about this strange hierarchy, you know, in a moment of mourning, like she just lost someone, she doesn't give a shit about the color of your skin, or if you're a cop, or any of that stuff. And I felt so bad for her, because as a viewer, you know, we know what Ruby's going through. She but, just needs a minute. Yeah, and that moment is so real because it's like, to be honest, black people never get a break. You know, it's like it just goes to that whole saying. And um, 
I feel like, you know, Ruby almost forgot that she was a black woman in that moment. You know, she's I think been she wearing... wanted to forget. Mm. Yeah, yeah she, that's, she doesn't have anything to. to say. And the guy's so aggressive and she's just like, I can't like it's just, you know, thank God yeah. well, you know, William gets there when he does, because it would have definitely yeah. ended in a different way. But And I also feel like strangely her being a white woman and being able to wear, you know, the body of a white female is making her somehow more empowered as a black woman, but also more exhausted. You know, which is a bad combo when it comes to the cops. She's she's getting addicted to this though, and I don't think it's gonna. Oh, definitely. It's not gonna go. I mean, from what I heard in the books, she ends up like an addict. She's very addicted to this. I love the moment. I don't know. I don't read. I found it interesting the moment when she asks Christina if she cares, and then Christina kind of hits her back with it, like, "Well, do you? How much do you care?" It's just like a Mm. moment. It's just like, damn, that's a. That's a tough question to ask. It's like, um, I'm also thankful that she asked, you know, yeah. you should ask, you should know where yeah. she stands. And I also respected Christina's answer. Yeah, I'd rather be, a lot of people respond that way than, be, be oh, I care, or all lives matter. <laughs> right, right. Um, I'm curious. That, I'm <laughs> curious. Uh, oh, God, that's the worst. <laughs> I'm curious as to, as to how it works in terms of the potion, because I felt like it wore off quicker than it we've seen in the past. I don't totally. know. I don't know what that significance, if there is a significance to it. I don't know. But orgasm? Like, <laughs> even you get orgasms? <laughs> I mean, Maybe. I feel like you burst out of your skin. I don't know what it's like for dudes. But, uh... <laughs> um, Mercedes, I want to talk to you. Um, I kind of categorized all of this into one grouping. Uh, Topsy and Bopsy, which is the names of the, the characters mm-hmm. that are chasing D. Um, I kind of put all their interactions with D in one. So the first interaction is at the train station when D finally first sees them and she can't and she can't um realizes that no one else can see them. The second time when she tries to tell Letty about it and nobody and Letty won't listen and you realize that her voice it won't her, she was cursed that her voice won't actually work yep. if she tries to tell her. And then um the third time in the alleyway while she's waiting for Lancaster. All those three moments with Topsy and Bobsy, how did they make you feel? Um, the first one, I was like, ooh, that's scary. The second one, I was like, ooh, that's scary, but I don't want to see it anymore. Third one, I was like, stop, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the alleyway moment, because it's so, it, they did a good job of being like, D doesn't have a clue that they're there. And they'd like right. walking up to her. And I was like, D, turn around, right, turn right. around. <laughs> I was shouting. I had so, so gets... much anxiety. It's freaking out. Oh but God. what I will say, when you get to like the last one, the fight scene, I was with her. I was like, come on, girl, let's fight. What are we getting? Like, I'm, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mike, I want to talk to you about Jaya. She arrives. Oh. Um, one thing I love about that, uh, I love the bomb. F- the first shot I loved is when Letty walks in, you know, her storm walk into the house looking for D. Yeah. And the way the camera's situated, you see Jaya on one side. Are you like, oh, snap. I didn't catch it at first. <laughs> like, oh, oh no, I instantly caught it. I was like, oh, And then I love the last sequ- frame. I love this sequence with, with when Tick arrives instantly oh, by seeing the, the shoes. She's outside. Him. He's like, <laughs> oh, yeah. So, Mike, what do you think of the whole... He knew he fucked up. He done <laughs> fucked up now. He's like, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? All the things? So, Mike, uh, Jaya arrives, tells Letty about everything. What did you think of that whole sequence? Oh, man. I, okay. My personal opinion was I felt that, I felt like Letty might have overreacted a little bit. That's just my opinion because it really had nothing to do with her. Uh, it, this was not her business whatsoever. Sure. He didn't need to tell her. This happened all before. He did. They he broke up. Of, yeah. It's not like he was And there. he did tell her. So that's why I was like, why is she freaking out? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not like no She's mystery. Pregnant. That, 
that's what it is. I was gonna say. Yeah. I think it's just she's pregnant. <laughs> it's got nothing Hormone. else. It's just she's pregnant. <laughs> she's just, I, I, yeah. She's just pregnant. I'm listen. I, I am a big fan of Letty, and uh, you have every right to, you know, to be upset. But I felt it was just all over the place because she was kicking him out, and then the next second I was like, "Where are you going?" You know, I'm like, "Okay, don't chase after him after you told him to fuck off." You know, like you're stronger than this. You are <laughs> independent woman who doesn't need this. You know, like yeah. don't take no shit. But uh, and I get like there's still more uh, questions that are unanswered from Jiha. You know, yeah. why is she there if she's not going to tell him how he dies? I understand that she loves him, but this is you don't just show up to someone's door when you don't know his life right now. He could have been married for all she knows. But again, mm-hmm. she is a spirit. She doesn't. She's not exactly human, so mm-hmm. she doesn't think that. She's still way. learning there's, things, right? I guess th- there's a lot of different. Yeah. She's like ten years old, or maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she doesn't know. Because it's, it's, it's conflicting. You see everyone's point of view, so you don't really don't know whose side to take at this mm-hmm. point. You know. I love the line when Jaya says when Tick talks about Jaya killing all these guys, and she's like, "It's in my nature." What's your excuse? I was like, Ooh. exactly. Mm-hmm. Like Ooh. she had no choice. I was like. Yeah. True. You know, she like, did yeah, what she yeah. had to do. Also, a couple of things I wanted to say quickly about the, that scene too. For me, I was like, I felt like Tick was over the top for me because I was like, granted, I get that you're mad with all the name calling and the threats. Like, come on now, you know what I'm saying? Like, like I yeah, get it, but I like, was... it just seemed like overly aggressive to where I was yeah. like, I. I mean, this scene's shit. literally happening to you um, in the background. I feel like it's, it's explosive. Yeah. But then I agree. Very but much. then I feel like. What was the last time G, uh, um, Tick saw Jaya? He was had tentacles well, see, all over his body. This is the thing, though, right? <laughs> so I will say these couple of things. I felt like, uh, to Mike, with you saying that you felt like, you know, Letty overreacted at first, I would agree. But the only reason I would slightly disagree is because I wouldn't have reacted at all, and I don't think Letty would have cared. I think Letty is mad because she had to find out from Jaya. I don't think she's mad about anything else except for the fact that the other woman is in her house. Mm-hmm. You know, like I think that and she's like because she, she loves called, you. She mad that she loves letter, him. That yeah, and Jaya also loves Letty. Him. Yeah, for Letty, it was like that was her first. You know, to hear that your man's been with somebody else. You know, and and this his first. Mm. Yeah, like you don't want <laughs> you don't want to hear from his first. So I get why she would be mad. You know, and then but my whole thing is too with Jaya. I wish there was more of a reason for her to pop up because at first I was like, nah, she's gonna explain. That's my yeah. critique of the episode. Yeah. Because that's my only thing is that like there was no reason in the episode to really have her there. Yeah. Except for the drama. So I <laughs> yeah. guess for me, when I, I knew that I don't I, appreciated I knew Jaya this was coming. Scene after, but... I knew Jaya was coming. So for me, the way I felt about the scene, like I kind of like I don't really like Tick anymore at all. Because he could have mm-hmm. definitely explained more in depth to Letty in that past episode, like how much he really loved her. And like how much it fucked with him when he found out that there was, you know, she wasn't really human because that's a, you know, real reaction. So that this is why when she does finally show up to the house, you know, it isn't DEFCON 1. I feel, I totally forgive Letty because Raven brought up an awesome point. She's fucking pregnant. So, and that's what Mike was saying. Like she went from literally like, get the fuck out to where you going in like, a, mm-hmm. like not even one minute time frame. So mm-hmm. that's clearly all mm-hmm. like hormones. <laughs> But for Tick, like, his whole, like, negative and venom just comes from, like, the fact that he's afraid he's going to lose Letty. So it's clear, like, he loves Letty more than Jaya. But, like, to just literally spit in the face of, like, this so-called love you had. Because here's the thing. Yeah, I think that's messed up. Yeah, you said you loved her and you could handle anything. But then she tried to tell you that she's the Kumiho and you ran away. And then when she's trying to still tell you about it, then everybody, y'all, 
y'all storm off in your relationship shit. And then of course, what is she supposed to say? She doesn't really know, but she just came to like try to figure it out with you, but you happen to have a girlfriend now. And I don't know if you guys noticed about this episode, we saw like the blossoming of one relationship, which was Ruby, William, Christina, and we saw the breakdown of another towards the end. So I love like the two mirroring effect of that, you know? I mean, my, my thoughts on, the, on that whole moment, I, I, I agree with all of you. And I think that's what the show does, right? I think the show, I've, we've, mm-hmm. I've said this every week, the show doesn't put any one character as perfect flawless yeah right. every character has flaws because i think i even turned to paris and said like i like i agree with yeah. all of them That's you know like saying. everyone's I get right it. for sure but i think it was just like, specifically it's like yeah because uh, I expect better. Yeah, but that's the thing; it's our expectations, right? And no one, to- yeah. no one told us Tick was a perfect guy. But also, I think, you know, that what the show does a good job of is, is, you know, we sometimes forget perspective, right? And it's like, if we only follow the story of any one person, person's perspective, they are right. You know, Tick's exactly. going through a lot in that moment. You know, Letty's going through a lot. Letty's anger also comes from the fact that Tick never tells her anything. But then Tick's right. like. But takes like I know you're not telling me something either, you know, like because he at this point we know in hindsight yeah. later he knows but about at the, the same pregnancy. Time, mm-hmm. Like something like a pregnancy, she can take all the time she wants. She got another six months. No, I know, but he, he he's probably creating well, stories like, in his head. Remember, like, he's got secrets every day. Yeah, he's like adding <laughs> to his secrets every but day. But take and take and then like have still a good... not telling her last week's. Mm-hmm. You know. He, Oh, he yeah. doesn't have That's a good totally like background said. of like good emotional release. Like every man of, like in his life has shown him, you know, just to beat things. So I think mm-hmm. in his perspective, he's already <laughs> doing better because he's not slapping anybody. He didn't mm-hmm. hit Jai and he hasn't hit Letty. <laughs> he's just screaming in their faces. And- not for anything. that's the only thing he knows like no man has ever like sat down and like embodied like his knowledge like sit down and actually have a conversation to work something out they're either mm-hmm. screaming and beating him and well, i feel like dad told him i feel like you know put myself in the context i don't care you know my wife now if we were having sex somehow she turned to a demon and the next time I saw her, I don't know if our next rea- conversation reaction is going to be the same. It's different because <laughs> as the audience, we didn't say what we had wasn't real <laughs> after you made a whole ballroom in the hey, yeah, but, but how do I, yeah, but, but here's but here's my but here's my rebuttal on that though. Here's my rebuttal on that though. <laughs> that's a lot. I, like if you're parking somebody and then they just put a furry tail in your butthole. That's like, my thing. What? It's like that's it's like lot. you lied from Tick's perspective. It's like you lied to me though. It's like you know like. You know, I don't. Would you date a, Kim, a Kimiho if you knew that that's what that was before they started? I don't, know, I don't know if I'd say yes or no. I don't know. Like before you fell in love, what else would you have said? So I think from Tick's perspective, he might feel, was this all a lie? Was this all fake? Were you trying to get me? Was I uh, a, a target trap. or something like that? Was this a trap? But then again, this is why I say the show True, itself. He did find out he was like number one hundred. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're my first. Well, you know, I know you've been with people before me. Yeah, yeah, a couple. Oh, like, all of them. You and you killed <laughs> them all? Like every single one? You killed them all? Oh, like, they're all dead. <laughs> you're the only one that made it out alive. And I know your whole yeah, life can't story wait for and Christmas how you're going to die. <laughs> How'd you two meet? <laughs> and by the way, I love you, though. Like, even though I know how you're going to die, and I but fuck you on accident, I really do love you. But then again, it, you know, it, constant reminder, nobody's perfect in this, in this show. Uh, Raven. Tick and Montrose mm. have a sit down and talk. You know, I, um, I, oh, love this. I, I think love that was like moment. my favorite moment. Great moment. This episode. About time. I think design. we all like secretly wanted that. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, we all did. Said. I don't think without like realizing it. I think we've all been waiting. Like, but when are you guys just going to talk? Just like, sit down and talk. Dudes. Right. You know? um, so I was, I was very appreciative of the whole thing because um, one thing that I did notice in the opening sequence was when 
uh, Montrose came over and tried to give Letting Tick water. He was like, here, boy, take it. Mm-hmm. Tick looked at his hand in the water as if like, Ugh, like I don't want water from him. Where at first I thought it was because he was like gay, like, but it's more so he just like really hated his dad. Like he was mm-hmm. awesome, like I don't know you at all. Don't fucking touch me type shit. Trying to say, so like I feel like you know going from that to you know the both of them sitting on a curb. And like also something about the city being so empty was like really beautiful. Even though you know everybody's not there because they're mourning. The sign in the back so it said closed. I was saying yes. The it set was like design, magic hour. I was like you the bastards. lighting. And it was beautiful. You know, I should be sad that there's no people in the street. Um, but with that being said, yeah, I felt like it was a beautiful moment. You know, the the connection between them because I think Tick finally understands his dad because as his dad was saying, all he ever cared about was having a family, building a family. Mm -hmm. And, you know, family is the strongest thing, the most important thing, and he didn't care about anything else. So it's like, I feel like Tick now having his own family to protect, Mm -hmm. he's finally starting to see why Montrose did the things that he did, Mm -hmm. you know? And and that's a beautiful thing because, you know, although Letty is mad at Tick at the end of this episode, Montrose, you know, this is the most he's ever understood his son. So um, I did love that. And just even, you know, telling him that, uh, you know, when he, when Tick told him, you know, Letty's pregnant, I thought that was crazy too, because, you know, technically that means Montrose is the first person Tick told, mm-hmm. you know, which is like, even though y'all aren't friends, you kind of besties right mm-hmm. now, uh, <laughs> you know, and after all their experiences together, it makes sense that they would tell them. But, um, and I also love that Montrose was like, I'll give my body, mm-hmm. you know, everything to protect my son and my grandson. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh. You know, I love, it was just I, love a I felt like the acting love, was really good. The set design. And the, the fact that he said directing. he didn't cheat on the mom. I like that he said he didn't cheat on the mom. That yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and that was a big part too. He was like, no, I didn't start, you know, looking into any of that until after she died, which I think makes more sense too for us also as a viewer now. Because I think that when we saw him two weeks ago at the gay bar, we were kind of like, you know, you're a grown ass man. You should have been enjoying your life sooner and all this mm. other stuff. But it makes sense because his life was kind of on pause. Mm. For mm-hmm. it's still, then, it, it I, also makes it pretty possible that it, he still could be his biological father. Yeah, I think they. Yeah. they yeah, I think there's that argument for either way. You know, like we had a kid because we want, we need because he says me and your mother we wanted a family. Why did they get married in the first? They place? had familial yeah. love. They yeah, wanted. Yeah. They need. You know. They needed. You know. In that time. You do did need somebody to take care of you as a woman. You couldn't just be yeah, married. Woman, um, you know, that would lead to like, you know, you probably would get raped or you would end up being like in a halfway house somewhere. <laughs> um, so you did kind of have to get married. Exactly. And you know, you're you're a spinster. So, you know, I really appreciated that scene with the with them too, because it was almost like a going to church. So we've had a lot of scenes where these characters are going to church. And supposed to having these like moments where they're ha- like talking to God, but when these two guys sit together, I feel like they're actually it's like true confessional, mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. a true conversation, and like one that is of true of true forgiveness and understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate this show because I think it shines a light on a lot of like gay and issues that have been in the past. Where like, why don't people come out? You know, th- there's a reason why people in the 2000s of now still are in the closet, and there's a reason why back in that time people did not come out because it wasn't yeah, just a matter sure. of being black. It was a matter of when homosexuality, like we treated it like mental health cases. I and mean, we had no mental health like laws back in the day. They were doing full on lobotomy. They were doing lobotomy. Yeah. And I did really appreciate this uh, this episode for like 
shutting telling right people that. I think that, it's easy like for could, us to be like, oh, just be yourself. Or, or, right? or wise mantras are angry. And a lot mantras. of heterosexuals don't know too. that. Yeah. They don't know that history of like when people came out as gay, a lot of the family members would then send them to asylums and the asylums would do these horrific experiments because we didn't have any like mental health. Like they were just they doing, didn't didn't have figuring any it out. Either at that mm -hmm. point. You know, and they that's how homosexuality bad. was viewed then. And now on mm -hmm. top of the fact that he's a black man, you know, you know, he's it's not even about like, dude, I'm not cheat on your mom. I just wanted mm -hmm. to protect myself from the yeah. dangers of the outside world. Um, yep. And I think that Tick finally understands that. And that's why, like, when the dad's like, I will give my body and soul to protect you, like, he really believes it. And they can actually mm -hmm. work at, work on it together. And it's a step forward. Um, we get two two pieces of information in this scene as well. One confirmation that Tick knows he ha that lady's pregnant with a son. Right? And then it's like, wait, how oh, does yeah, he, how does he know? How does he know it's a so son? Much happened in that scene. <laughs> Don't you but, love the way they just sprinkled it in there? They're right? just, oh yeah, I went through the portal. Da, da, da. Wait, what? because we did wonder that because I was I was definitely wondering the whole episode, like how did George Freeman write the book? And I was yes, thinking was maybe like in some alternate universe, Uncle George is still like, alive. Dave said and it. the second he was like, this is this is my son that Letty's carrying. I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here's I my like, screamed. Oh, I was like, oh my God, this is what Dave was talking about. Here's my question. Yeah, I think Paris and I screamed, George Freeman. <laughs> Here's my question though. You know, when we find out the whole context of what happened in terms of what he says, he says, I went there, some woman with a robotic arm gave me this book and I was sent back. So he doesn't spend much time out there. So mm -hmm. he assumes he's in the future. Again, because the past episode is like that woman. Because yeah, I have some speculation of that too. But mm. you see, here's my theory, because he talks about the book being different, which is a great it's great kind of tongue in cheek fourth wall breaking for the audience because the book in real life that in our world is like the book he has where D was a girl or D was a boy and Christina is a guy. But here's my thing. He says, Oh, my son changed uh the the the, the stories. But I'm thinking maybe the son didn't change it and in that reality that's how it happened. Because he just assumes it was the future. But he's only there for moments, you know. Mm. He assumes it's his timeline. And the last episode shows that there's multiple timelines, multiple realities, you know, one where Uncle George was still alive. What if he went to the reality that George was alive where uh with where um Hippolyta was, you know, where she goes back right. to Right. You know, so, so, so does is Hippolyta the only one that knows that it's a trans dimensional machine? Because I yes, feel like she understands okay, it. So Letty, a tick, and everybody else think it's just a time machine, right? Yes, because she's smarter okay, than the average sense. bear. That's okay. <laughs> so the, that's why he's like the robotic arm, but he has no idea that it's just like not even the air. Okay. Uh, I mean, going by Raven's possible theory, that robotic arms could be D in the future. It could and be it, uh, D. Could be D. Because what happens to arm at the end of the episode? Uh, at the end of the Remember? episode, her arm? Yeah. So I think she might lose that arm. It could be D. Maybe D becomes like some kind of dimension time traveler. And yeah, because I think. Hippolyte is coming back for her baby. Yeah. I don't think she's going to leave. Oh, definitely. That's what she said. She's coming back. I guess yeah. it takes a week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mercedes, Mercedes, earlier on, you talked about church, and uh, we get a church scene Letty and, Christi uh, Letty and Christina. I feel like Christina's playing everybody. You see how she's interacting with everybody except for Montrose? Yeah. But that's the thing. Uh, that's what they do, though. They make you think that they're everybody's friend. You know? right. And it's, it's like, like I'm just looking like, all of you are making irrational decisions and then making deals with Christina. Mm -hmm. It's not like any right. of you have consulted. And all of you agree that the other one shouldn't work with Christina. <laughs> right. And she's just watching too, like, oh, okay. Uh, okay, right. you want to sell? 
like I'm That'll pretty work. sure if you had a round table, you would all be like, we Maybe mutually you have decided. Not you want a potion, boo? I'll give you a potion. Don't tell your sister mm-hmm. now. I'll Actually, I want to ask you that about that, Mercedes. Um, Chris, um, Letty asks for the potion for Tick, but Christina's like, no, I'm gonna give it to you. I have my theories as to why she does that. What do you think? Of she course. Does um, because we already know that she, um, Tick has figured out that Christina needs to sacrifice him, um, which is why we need the protection spell. Um, sorry, Mike, not to jump on your segment there, but that's why we need it in the first place. So I think that <clears throat> she did it on purpose. I need him um, to die. She needs him to die. <laughs> and, um, she, you know, she played to Letty's, you know, hormonal mom tendencies. So it's like, who are you going to protect the baby inside of you, the new generation, or some man who keeps flip-flopping and not giving you full information. Um, and keeping said, you secrets. know, keeping secrets, y'all have relationship problems. You're going to protect mm-hmm. your baby. So I think she played on to that, you know, maternal instinct that Letty has right now. I think, like I said in the first episode, Christina is playing chess mm-hmm. and none of them realize it. And it's not going to be till last episode, so it's too late. But mm-hmm. I do love Christina for female empowerment because she's just doing it for all the girls, you know, but and just I, tra- trampling on everybody on the way. It's funny you say that. And I think that's part of the reason why she also gives it to Letty. Because she's like, fuck the men. You know, every time they bring up Letty or Ruby bring up men, Christina's always, fuck the men. It's yeah, about she's us. Yeah, she's like, y'all. She always wants to shake them and be like, stop talking about penises. No, right. like, like, I feel like I'll tell my friends that are like in relationships, like, don't take advice from single people. You know, it's like the same thing. It's like, mm-hmm. no, she doesn't like dudes. Just don't even, don't right? even bring it up. Just right? ask someone else. <laughs> like, she's not the one. No, she's always gonna be, oh, man, man. be like, I got these pair of shoes for my dad. For his, oh, is he a man? <laughs> I, mean, I, totally, I, mean, I get it from where Christina comes from. Could you imagine growing up your whole life getting no respect because you don't have a penis and being super brilliant and smart? I mean, and granted, I get like, it. Whatever. So you know, she he yeah. created that monster, and now we're dealing right. with it on the show. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, Mike, uh, Sadie's touched on it further. This is furthers the relationship between Tick and Montrez. Montrez earlier on says, "I will do the spell for you." You know, I will take the risk, and he has the motivation for it. So that whole sequence with the spell, you know, finding out Montrez is dyslexic, uh, and and finding out about the magic. What did you think of the whole incantation moment? Oh yeah. So it it brings up a question: Did the spell actually work, or? Did it actually not work because of his dyslexia? Because that, that's the whole thing I'm thinking. Like, yep. he just told you he's dyslexic. So he's. What does it mean? Lexic. So you're going to trust him with an incantation <laughs> on something that's very important to your life? That's what I we were, to like, wording you matters, though. Hated no? your dad a minute ago. And now I you're know. going to trust your life with him <laughs> knowing he has a disability. It's like, I know we're desperate, guys, but there has to be a better way. Yeah, yes. call Christina and Montrose. <laughs> Are you sure you want to go through with this? The like, person who wants to murder you and the person who can't read. There has to know, be a somewhere in the middle that we could meet. <laughs> I, lo- I love the line that Montrose says where he's like, you know, I, I was fearful that I would get killed by white folk or whatever. But if it's magic, hey, that's got more jazz to it. I was like, okay. Right. Was like, oh, that was such a dad thing to say, like to make you feel better. I was like, oh, dad. Like, hey, man, it's gonna be a cool way to die. I'll tell you a story. Yeah. But then he does. He does the sign of the cross, and he's like, oh, I mean, it can't. It can't help. Hurt. Never know. <laughs> you never know. I, you know, my theory is that Mike. Backwards. Right. I felt like that was such like a ode to like the you know when you're with your mom and they they, they do something they're they, like you can't help and it's like mom it's not like we're not doing that anymore and I then it's like he does the amen it's like what are you doing 
I won't lie, Montrose is low-key hilarious this whole season. Like, the little oh, things he does. So <laughs> like, it's just so yeah. funny. Like, I die laughing. Uh, <laughs> but, Mike, I, I had the same... Go. Sorry, this is random, but I just thought, what if because of his dyslexia, he came up with a whole different spell? Like, he just, boom, got his own <laughs> yeah. Actually, you know... Like this Freeman cantation. <laughs> my, my theory on that whole dyslexia thing was that his dyslexia led to the, the, the incantation being delayed. You know, because we don't see the results till later. Just, yeah, <laughs> it was delayed. The other That's side what... was like, "No, you guys are." You guys are good. I He's still. Like, yeah. It's a tra- like, I th- Obviously, it was like, hit it know, on the side. A couple right. times. Trigger warning. Monsters are like, guys. I think. I don't know. I think he summoned us. I'm not. Do you sure. think yeah. is that so, what he said? No. They spent guys, ages debating. They were debating the wording. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'm gonna go look, y'all. You know what? Because if he's dead, we gonna. It's like when the cops get a prank call. Yeah, yeah. Like the cops get a call, they're like, "Ugh, someone go check it out." I don't know. Get up there. Get up there. I don't know if they meant to call. And and the the crank call was like all gobbledygook. It was just like random words. (laughs) (laughs) Like, well, help. I think he needs our help. (laughs) I think. um, Raven, one of my favorite sequences is uh, you know deconfronting Lancaster. You know, what I love about Dee is she's at, mm-hmm. that point, she's at that point in her life where she's still, she's got that bravado because mm-hmm. the real world hasn't hit her yet. You know, like she's that, yeah. that part of that innocence is what gives her the bravado. Because when she walks into that room, I was like, no, don't do that. No, Dee. Remi- honest, Dee reminded me like when Raven gets I was like, you get real bold now. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, that's Raven's much. same energy when she walked into the room. She's like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> Like, nah, you know, I'm, I'm chilling now. You know, people like... don't really test me no more. I think it's the drugs. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, I, I was very, very much scared for D when she walked in there. But I guess she also figured she survived being spat on like, right. and cursed and followed by demon dancers. So, you know, I feel like I'd probably be bold too. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you got to lose. Definitely. A, it was a scary scene, but it's also, I think you also realize in this scene how much both of them don't know mm-hmm. about the other one. You know, like D really doesn't know shit about any of this magic stuff. She doesn't mm-hmm. know anything that anyone in her family is involved in. None of it. Because she thinks she got all this under control, but she mm-hmm. hasn't seen all the things She's that have changed the past, past couple of weeks. And then, you know, you also have the police officer who assumes he, you know, who underestimates D and assumes she's just some young girl, which, you know, we all know isn't the case at all. She's Hippolyta's kid. Hippolyta, so, um, that, that African name. Yeah, he said, <laughs> like, what? <laughs> she she said. Names. She's like, oh. Like, you're a dummy. Yeah, my mom's name is Hippolyta. It's Greek, um, you idiot. It's Greek. <laughs> Asshole. And then she spit yeah, I, like I was that. like, that's right, boo. You tell him. It's mm-hmm. good. But I also was like, I don't know, you know, you should have gathered it up for a little longer. The way that he, you know, you should have returned it in full. You know, maybe even <laughs> sips water or something. And went she had just, bo- like, she rode her bike all the way there, you know, she was parched. <laughs> that East Ventura scene. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Pete. Dude, so when true, when she like, spits on him? him. But I also can't watch. I was terrified when she said fuck you, Pete, and spit on him. Person. I was like, oh my God, Yo, they're going to kill her. I, was, right I thought she was going to die. I was like peeking <laughs> over the fence like, ooh. I, I really thought she was going to die when she spit on him. Fuck you, Pete. Right? I was like, I was like damn, they're going to kill D right here in this episode, huh? That's what I thought. I was like, I was like, damn, Hippolyta going to come back and her child's dead. That was mm-hmm. terrible. 
Um, you know, so I'm happy she survived this yeah. scene. Which I like how the scene ends with, you know, when she and leaves. And she said it stinks in here. Yeah. Probably because they still got that dude. That dead, dead dude. Body. Yeah. yeah. In the closet. <laughs> right. And then when she leaves, you know, we, I love the sequence when she looks at Topsy and Bopsy and she's like, you know, fuck this shit. Ah, rides her bike. Like, you know, I'm not running from you. I ride my bike past her. Very dark night. Ride into her. Yeah, and I thought so too. I was like smart. And then I was like, no, not smart. Well, no. she slices no, no. it. I thought you because would slice. Because I also thought back to times when I was a kid, and people definitely would fuck with me and just grab my actual bike. Right. She's like, that's a real thing. And these are demons. I was like, oh no, this is my cousins. Right. But, <laughs> but I'm like, no, you. She definitely has the capability to like just knock you off of it. So like, get close and then avoid. So I was like, okay. good, good, well played game of chicken there. D. What good I love job. about that sequence as well, <laughs> in terms of with Captain Lancaster, is that Lancaster by putting a curse on D inadvertently makes himself less scary to her because she's mm-hmm. like well i'm not scared of you i'm dealing with demons now you know i'm chased by this you know i'm not going to be like you're sure. the least of my problems i don't care to say fuck you pick and spit on you exactly you know, you know, like, because you know like I've lasted days i deal with words you told me like, magic existed uh what <laughs> i'm not scared of you yeah. um the next scene i think is one of the most powerful sequences in the, in the episode it's really hard to watch we get uh, christina hiring those those men to beat her up uh, the same way that Emmett Till was beaten up and, and murdered, you know, and to, I guess to test that, either to test her, her the mark of Cain or whatever, because, you know, she ends up surviving. That scene was very hard. What I liked about the scene, though, is that it showed us what happened to Emmett Till without showing it happening to Emmett Till. Yeah. And I respected that. For, because I wasn't sure that I could handle just, you know, seeing it. Like, yeah, I, I heard of it, Emmett. you know, in words, but right. I was like, I don't think I can handle, like, if they actually show what happened, it's going to be too triggering for me. Mm. So I did feel like, like you said, it was like a very good way to show the brutality of what happened without it being, like, as triggering. Mm-hmm. But it was still really tough to watch. Oh, it's yeah. definitely tough. Those, those two guys were like, I don't know why anyone would want to get killed like this, but they're like, fuck it, I'm going to do it anyway. You know, I was just like, just damn. Take paycheck, goodbye. Oof. You know, what's the, funny is like the way they have the white uh, people say that, like, why would anyone want to get killed like this? But in, in hindsight, we actually just, y'all did that to a boy. So. All right, all right. Like, damn. Why would you and, want but the thing is that this? that's that phrase, is very, that phrase is very telling, right? To say, why would anyone want to get killed like that? It means you're very much aware of how bad Wait, it is. Thank you. How disgusting it is. So yep. so, you know, you're very because much aware it's of not that. A white and then person. you did, and this was done to a boy who didn't want to die like this. He didn't want to die like this. <laughs> you know? he, he probably didn't even fight back like Christina did. At least Christina got in a few punches. Well, you know? he couldn't. A lot of the stuff happened after they already yeah. shot him dead. Yeah, he was 14 years old. Like, they shot him and then like a 14 year old boy gets six Oof. like that sequence where, where they push the thing overboard and it just drags her mm-hmm. i was like whoa <sighs> like it just pulls her in it was like holy shit and yeah that hurt blood. um where am i da, 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 da. letty and ruby get together and uh she's i like that moment where letty's like i was like finally i'm so happy they're friends right? again uh, for now, <laughs> because <laughs> you know, because information for comes now. out. Letty uh, Ruby tells Letty about Christina, you know, and and, and all that stuff. Uh, Mercedes, what do you think of that moment? You know, first with the pregnancy, and both of them kind of feeling guilty about not doing more for Emmett. You know, Letty not taking pictures, Ruby feeling guilty about leaving, and then connecting, and then the blow up about Christina. What do you think of that whole sequence? Yeah, I think it goes back to what I was saying about, you know, these are going to church. Um, Montrose and Tick went to church, you know, a little earlier in the episode. And I think Ruby and Christina finally, like, went to church in confessional in their own sense. Both of them have had moments where, you know, 
they've needed a sense of release and not really gotten it. And I think with each other, they could actually be completely raw and just <clears throat> like get the answer. I think get the answers that she wanted. Like Ruby, even having that conversation with William Christina earlier, it's still not enough of a release as when she has a real one with her sister. Um, you know, because you know what they say, no one is ever really going to understand you the way your family does um, or feel it the way your family is going to feel it with you. Um, so I thought it was really awesome that they were able to like talk, but it was still kind of like sisters in the sense where like there was still some information omitted. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and I thought it was awesome that she said that she knows about magic and Christina, but I don't know how Letty is going to feel about Ruby wanting to create a space with magic when she's already fighting that battle with Tick. And on top so of that, we'll like, see how is Christina going to teach you magic? The way you wanted to want to learn, I don't know. Like, I don't, don't fully trust Christina to to make things oh, no. better for I don't trust Christina. I think <laughs> it makes sense. Behind. She's a lesbian, of course, but like, I don't think that is she though. I was thinking <laughs> like, like a trans character. They've never kissed like... as girls. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, yeah they never. Yeah, so I was well, never supposed girls. to be like, as girls. Oh. They haven't. Yeah. I was gonna ask you. I don't know. It's weird. It's not lesbian. It's more so like. Is it? But that's the thing. I don't feel like. Like, I feel like Christina chooses to be a boy, but I think she's proud of being a woman. So I don't mm -hmm. think it's necessarily like she feels she was born in the wrong skin, you know? Like, I don't mm -hmm. feel like it's like a identity. No. Right. Okay, so it's not like, like she's empowered as a woman. It's a means to an end. There, there's a Black but Mirror episode on that. I will that. also say, I mean, you know, she enjoys having sex with women as a man. As a man. Though, yeah, awesome. so it's like, yeah, that's cool. So I'm like, but I feel like I, it's like a double way of like being a proud. Here's my question. You know, oddly enough, what it's if like I can do what a man does and I can get the reaction out of you that a man gets? Here's my, here's my question though with that sexy time stuff. You know how like mm -hmm. uh, Ruby had the peeling stuff when she had the orgasm? What if uh, 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 fucking um, William gets a crazy orgasm and the pee pee falls off? Because she doesn't have that as a woman. <laughs> what if he transforms back? And <laughs> Oh then, uh, yeah, what if, oh, the, you mean the penis is just left inside of you? Yeah, it just, it? it just falls out. Because <laughs> when, when the transformation happens, pieces fall okay, off, right? Okay, all right, that's enough. <laughs> Cut this part out. Anyway, <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not cutting out. I Mike, Mike, I want to talk to you about uh, um, Lancaster and the police arriving <laughs> at the house. You know, just after this conversation happens. Dave, you nasty. <laughs> <laughs> that's sucking my head now. Right. I know that's the one thing you thought about. No, no I feel like she's got like that. a. No, I feel like she's got like a display case of like souvenirs, like. Everything. Like where does this where does the skin go when it peels off? Does it disappear, disintegrate, or does just it? You know that house must stink <laughs> if it's just like raw flesh, just raw house stink. In just every trash image. can at the house, there's just body it's like, parts. You know, at, at the end of this is the end with Seth Rogen, you know, and they <laughs> the demon is like holding on to his dick at the end. He's like, yeah, ah. <laughs> yeah that's it. That's the oh, moment. God. Uh, Mike, I want to talk to you about the police arriving at the house. You know, they arrive with a fake warrant because they feel the nation of Islam is a terrorist are doing something here. And uh, we were reminded that there's a protection spell in the house, but it only works on people with magic because one cop is able to enter, but Lancaster is not. Mm -hmm. And that's why Lancaster's like, mm, <laughs> would do so something funny. Else. You didn't have the right warrant. So, uh, Mike, I want to ask you, did you, did you notice Letty's invulnerability while the house is getting shut up? I didn't did. see it at first. Not at first. Like, you know, I didn't know what to expect i didn't know if the uh, the spell was going to work or not until she sat up and then you start seeing it and it was very much like a, a neo matrix right. moment <laughs> where everything is in like, slow motion Bing! and she's 
she realizes she's the one just reflecting everything. <laughs> and I'm like, this is it. She's just going to fly out I now. Right. And then pop up in doing Neo pose. I had a moment yeah. where I thought a bullet would ricochet and hit Ruby. I was like, oh, don't do that. Oh, I no. Know. Just because it bounces off of her. Um, Mercedes, Topsy and Bobsy, D goes home alone on them. You know, she goes back to the house, locks the doors and like waiting for them. What I love about that sequence is that D can't speak on it because that's part of the curse, right? She can't tell anyone about it. But she goes to what she does best. She starts drawing. That's kind of how she has a release. And then Topsy and Bobsy come. She fights them back. And then Montrose comes and starts to hold her, thinking that she's going crazy. What did you think of that whole sequence? Um, that whole sequence, I think they did a really good job of like letting the audience like feel her terror and feel feel her terror as a victim, and then it bubble over into like she does not want to be afraid anymore, and just just was like fuck it, whatever happens, like I'm taking you down with me. Um, you got a sense you- that. It wasn't doing anything to them. But that's what's scarier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, but it, I, I don't know. I kind of. I didn't like realize she was just destroying her house. I, yeah, but then when it Boy, flipped and Montrose was like holding her, and then he realized it was actually she was actually keeping them away from hurting her, and then he stopped. So it was like, no, Montrose, let her fight back. Right, right. And he can't. Well, we don't know if he notices the arm yet in the episode, right? We don't yeah, notice. because it just cuts everything yeah. in so quickly because yeah. then yeah. it goes to you know the other monster. But what I liked about that is that, again. While everyone was ignoring D, Montrose was out looking for her. You know, mm-hmm. he's actively looking for her and he found her and he thinks he's helping her in this moment, but he's not. But I also get a sense, again, like Raven said, I think they can hurt D, but D can't hurt them. She can only just keep them at bay because she's right. smacking them, smacking them with, a, with the, the pipe. Yeah, she, I think she needs actual magic, which is what yeah. they said in the preview to like hurt mm-hmm. them. Um, but yeah, that scene was, that scene was great. And we go into the final scene, which for me was like, if I was in a movie theater, this final scene would have had me. Ah! That was that was Avengers Assemble when he comes through. Yeah. It was like Avengers that was Assemble. A so, you, know, you know, it it starts off. Raven, I to talk to you about this. It, it's you know, it starts off with a shoot. Oh, there it is. There it is. Shoot- <laughs> no, what I what I liked about this moment is that when you see Letty with with the bullet ricocheting off of her, you're thinking she's gonna run out and save Tick. And then your second thought is, but that's a very far distance. Well, how just, the fuck yeah, is I was that like, gonna work? Damn, this is how he's gonna die. Yeah, I was I was like, like, she's not gonna make it in time. Like, the tears were there for I'm Tick's so, death. They so were Raven, there. I was also like, nah, I feel like Tick's fine. Raven, when when the when the the black shogun arrives, how did you feel? I think I felt like squad. Um <laughs> <laughs> And then when they have the little I was like squad goals. I was like, um, I want to show this. He could live yeah, in my right? backyard. And did you notice it was a one take? It was a one take shot. Oh yeah. From that scene you're seeing, Raven, the camera doesn't cut. It's all yeah. one take. So wow, look at that. Until then. Oh, oh yeah, that's <laughs> blood in the mouth. By the way, I would have loved to be the PA on scene to just throw <laughs> the bucket of blood on them. Like that's so much blood. It's literally like somebody standing there just being like, here you go. Right. Yeah. I would have no, it's mad fun. Um, I, I love this moment because I feel like in this episode, even though we kind of had um, haunted paranormal, I mean, I still forgot about this side of the show. Like, right. I forgot all about the shadows. <laughs> the magic. Shogoths. Shogoth. Dave, can someone with an American accent say it, please? <laughs> it's it's Shogoth. S H O G G A T H. Shogoth. I'm like, you're going to have me sounding British golf. <laughs> Shogun. Um, Shogun. Shogun. Because Shogun. it's two Gs. So it's yeah. Shogoth. Shogoth. Shogoth, right? Or it could be Shogath. Shogoth. Shogoth. You guys say Shogoth. You don't say Bath or you Shogun. say Bath. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, so that 
monster popped up. And I was like, fuck yeah, yo, Monster Freeman. I'm with it. It's about time they added one more to the family. And then I also realized, like, damn, yo, I guess that, you know, I guess the incantation did work. But I was also, like, curious as to, like, I don't know if, you know, if, um, what was her name? Christina said, you know, there has to be a body. Part of me wonders if there was some type of sacrifice made. I have a theory. I have a theory. Black Shogoth is Uncle George. We've had, we've known that Shogoth were once people. Why is this one black? Okay. Right. I think Uncle George didn't, maybe Uncle George died and Shogoth was born. You know, kind of like, you know, it's like he was brought back. He did back die on their property. property. He did oh, die on so their property. Okay. Yeah. Mm. I think it's Uncle George. I think Shogoth is Uncle George. And that's my thing. Based on nothing, the fact that he's black. <laughs> that's what it's, it's a black Shogoth. That's racist. It's too <laughs> And I love, I love the how to train your dragon moment between Tick and the Shogoth when they touch them. I, I know. I was like, they're pals. I tweet as soon as I saw the episode. I tweeted spoilers without context. That that gif. Yeah, and Mike's Love one it. with the uh, with it. With the it. I was like, oh my god, that was hilarious. Was like, I was like, that's perfect. We have five minutes left. I was at work trying to like figure it out. Oh, like, what are they saying? Right. Trying to finish. Plus, should I work? I would have thrown my phone. Talks. Seriously. <laughs> no, once Mike sent the like clown thing, and I was like, "Oh no, oh, oh. clowns on Lovecraft! I'm done tonight. This is not, this is not a good night." Um, we've got five minutes it's left, too much. so quickly we go through um, leftover questions. We hear about the autumnal equinox, which is a few days from now, and where Tick is supposed to be killed, and that's where Christina is supposed to get her power. What's all that going to mean? Um, we talked about this earlier. Tick mentions the woman with with robotic arm, which Raven and I assume is D from the future. What does that mean? Also, the Shogoth rips Lancaster apart, but I don't think Lancaster's dead. You don't see him die. Also, he, that's not his body. You know, like he's been pieced together before. True. Does oh, it true. matter? <laughs> right. Before. Mm-hmm. That's, I love that he's yeah. always in tight shirts to remind us that yeah. he, the body. Yeah. And you see what notice when he gets flung by the Shogoth across the, the like across the house. That was Lancaster as well. Uh, oh, any other things? Okay, we'll go into a few more minutes left. Sadie's cultural references in this episode. Cultural references. Obviously, the title. We're going to talk about Jigaboo. Um, it, it's a dis- term to describe Black people, if you didn't know. But it goes Jigabobo because Bobo was Emmett Till's nickname. So that's how that ties in, um, if you guys did not know. The songs in this episode, Stop That Knocking at the Door, which we pretty much wanted to stop hearing the entire episode. Oh, it's <laughs> terrifying. If I ever hear it again, I'm going to be triggered. Yo, no, if you hear that song, I'd probably throw my radio, throw my phone or radio Literally, or something. wherever yeah. it is. <sighs> um, Alice Smith's cover, I Put a Spell on You or I Put a Spit so on You. So good. <laughs> Had it on repeat ever since. <laughs> um, and then for movies, It Follows, Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, the books. That have you guys seen It Follows? Sorry, have you guys seen okay. It Follows? Oh, It Follows is great. It's, it's similar creepy. where it's like, you keep running, if you stop moving, it catches up to you. Yeah. you got to keep moving. Yeah, keep the moving. faster really you move, the faster it gets you. It's yeah. creepy shit. <laughs> oh, I can't watch that. Only if you mm-hmm. do it. Right. No thanks. <laughs> you know thanks, guys. Um, yeah, right? Then, you can only pass it on if you, if you get it on with somebody. Mm-hmm. Really? That's the only way you pass it. It's like an yeah. SCD for a ghost. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's a, yeah, it's a it's an STD horror movie. Yeah. <laughs> got it, got it. A little yeah. knowledge there for you guys. Uh, um, yeah. Books this episode was Harriet Beecher Stowe's Uncle Tom's Cabin, um, and then the Bible Mark of Cain, which is where we get the protection spell from this episode. Um, and then the most important thing uh, for people-wise, 
was Topsy and Bopsy, and then Naomi Wadler, who did the speech for March for Our Lives. I actually know her. Great She's speech. my mom. That's my mom's friend's um, <laughs> She's niece. your mom? What? My mom's friend's <laughs> niece. Uh, and I was like, oh my God, that's so cool. That uh, speech was awesome. That speech was awesome. And every time you hear that speech, you such a sense of empowerment. I just had um, so many, so much chills at the end. Mm-hmm. So good. And then product-wise, the cream of wheat guy in the poster. So yeah, those were all of our cultural references this week. And uh, Mike, the book references in this? in this. Well, um, they flat out said the differences, which was mm-hmm. great. And helps us all. I out love to that whole scene. I was like, yeah, there it is. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, These thanks. are the differences. There you go. Mike's and every And every book to series this is the scene you've ever wanted. Um, but then the, the one thing that isn't mentioned is that in the book, um, Dee, who is uh, Horace in the book, she, he, sorry, is actually, instead of being chased by demon twins, it's uh, a devil doll. So Chucky, like uh, Chucky style. Yeah. That would be so yeah, much yeah. worse for me. Oh my God. I'm <laughs> so glad Chucky. it wasn't. <laughs> they were both equally horrible. So Annabelle. Here's I don't like doll things. That's why I won't watch Annabelle. Anyway, like on, that, on that note, we have less than a minute left of this podcast. So I think this was a great episode. Looking forward to the what? next episode. Two more left, There's guys. There's only two ah! left. I don't want it right. to go. What am I and, supposed uh, to do on Sunday nights? Thank you, Raven. Well, yeah, yeah. We have to find something else. Thank you, Mercedes. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Rocket Mike. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening. My name is English Dave, and this has been a Nerdy Bunch review of Lovecraft Country Episode 8. Jigabobo, we're so close. I don't know what's going to happen. But as always, Mercedes. Keep it nerdy, guys. Keep it nerdy. Peace. Peace. Peace.